This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 816, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are boosted and thoughtful and helpful, considerate, and thinking of others. Nobody's but mine. Said I ain't nobody's but mine. Said I ain't nobody's issue. Don't you come around, babe? I don't miss you at all. Ain't nobody's but Hello and welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 816. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I am here with my co-host, Josh Flanagan. What's up? What's up? What's good, people? And our semi-regular guest host, fill-in, third chair host, Ryan Haupt. I'm not wearing tweed, but I am wearing a scarf. When's the last time we had three people on the show? It's been uh, a while. Like a month ago? Or was, no, it was just him and I? That was just 800? Yeah, just... 800. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sixteen episodes. I mean, I ago. I wouldn't I wouldn't remember. That's not a regular but, show. Yeah, we. Anyway. I gotta tell you, I had a really hard time with the script in real and and what I was gonna write before Ryan's name. Uh huh. I was I couldn't think of anything that really covered it that didn't sound dismissive or like was like our friend. No, that's not informal enough. He's not our friend, really. Guest well. host. He's not host. That's not exactly right. It's so uh, that's why I came up with the brilliant marketing term: semi regular guest host. <laughs> I think guest is wrong. To be fair, I wrote that. You actually just left me out of the script when you sent it. I wasn't. I wasn't in it. Really? That makes more sense. I yeah. remember writing. <laughs> it was just blank when you sent it. I, I think, had to write some. I wrote some irregular guest host myself. That was the. That is a self-imposed title. I definitely struggle with that. I wonder. That's interesting. I think we came up with the same kind of thing. But like, I yeah. have a thing sometimes where like I'll be working on a script and for some reason I will. 
the version I send is earlier. I don't know. Every why. once in a while, yeah, I think there's a thing where like if you attach it to the email before you save it, mm-hmm. like things yes. get weird. I've noticed. Maybe that's it. Anyway, go along. Right. We're hey. fanboy. This is we are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics, or this week less comics, and one of us picks our favorite book called the pick of the week, and we talk about that book and other books in the week, and it's a patron pick, and sometimes listener mail. We have a good time. We got a lot to talk about, so we're gonna get going. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. Josh had the pick this week. Yeah, I definitely sent this before I saved it. Uh, Justice League 2022 annual number one uh, is the pick of the week. Uh, my justifications are thus. Uh, I had no expectations of this book. In fact, I was almost like, do I want to even keep reading this Justice League book? And then I kind of saw it was an annual. And I said, well, all right, let's 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 take a look at this. It, it probably stands on its own or it's going to do a different thing. And I, I right away, uh, the art was um, different. It was uh, Sanford Green who did the book with David. No, he did um, yeah, David he did, Walker. He, he did the David did, Walker image book, Bitter, Bitter Root. Right, and they did Iron Fist and Power Man before that. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I noticed the art before I noticed the name, but right away uh, in terms of uh, – and then the, the colorists were Matt Herms, who I don't know, and Sanford Green, the artist himself – and I thought, oh, this looks this looks different and exciting um, than it has looked for a while. So that was my first sort of hook. It looked like a like a top shelf book, and not just because of Sanford Green's art, who's terrific, but the way they colored it and it sort of it mm-hmm. almost looked like it was distressed, um, like it was on rough paper. Oh, you said top shelf, and I was thinking top cow, and I was like, what the no. hell are you talking about? No. Yes, I agree <laughs> with what you're saying. <laughs> it's like it doesn't look like top cow at all. Um, also, the lettering we should point out from Josh Reed. Um, yeah, all of it together made it look like it was an indie comic, which was great. It yeah, did. yeah, and it was really cool. I mean, honestly, a lot of times you can tell a Brian Bendis book just from looking at a page mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the way that he puts his dialogue and some of that's there, but it, it kind it doesn't look like a Brian Bendis book. Yeah, the way I like the way the words balloons stack in a Brian Bendis book kind of has its yeah, own rhythm, but, but also like it doesn't just doesn't look like the kind of artist that he normally works with. I, and I don't know how to explain it, but. Uh, so a lot of things came together there, and you know I I love Brian Bendis. Brian Bendis is an is an uh, integral part of my comic book reader DNA, and um and I want these to work out really well. And uh, so you got this time traveler story. Omac Kirby's one man army corps shows up, and the I I I'm going to tell you right now. Don't fully understand the story or what happened. But <laughs> did you read the uh, first issue of Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes? No, no. This ties into it, but it d- it tied into it in such a subtle way that I didn't even actually realize they were connected until the end when they also pointed out, go read right. yeah. Justice League versus I, the I did see that. series, which already happened. Yeah. But I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. In fact, I just was like, oh, we're in the middle of a Justice League Super Friends adventure, and it's mm-hmm. crazy. No, I mean, it's basically a one-shot. Travel. It, it's a, it's a yeah. lead into that miniseries, but you don't, so you don't know how, need to have read it because it takes place after. But yeah, you could totally mm-hmm. read, read this as just a single story, which it basically is. Yeah. Well, it's time, and, it's time travel, so who can really yeah. say? Right. Yeah, and it, it's, it was actually pretty... Uh, uh, so you've got this one character who's showing up a lord of time... Not a time lord. That's that's a different thing, and and he's there's several versions of him from different times throughout his life. It's it's confusing. It's hard for me to explain. So if you're like you don't know what you're talking about, you're correct. I don't. Um, <laughs> but they split the team up and they each go you know deal with him. Different parts of him deal with different ages of the person. 
And even though I was on the, I was hanging on by my fingernails. I was super compelled with the with the gosh, good old superhero aspect of the whole thing. Um, I, there's also little character things that that Bendis has put into his Justice League that I think helps solidify some of the characters in my mind, or at least these versions of them. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he brought in Black Adam. Uh, as a Justice Leaguer, and and we know that there's going to be a movie, and it's The Rock and whatever. So making Black Adam fully evil isn't going to be a thing. But they're kind of turning around. I I like the story that they attach to the way that they were doing it. Uh, you know, the idea is basically that you know one of the time travelers says, "Wait, which where are you in the in the Black Adam Teth Adam series? Are you the are you the the evil one, or have you become the greatest ever?" And the the idea is that we're we're learning that he's on some continuum where he's on his way somewhere which like i I think that works if you have the wisdom of a god at your disposal because like there's always this weird interplay with billy batson like how much is he listening to solomon versus being a dumb kid and so Mm -hmm. like i like that in the long arc of black adam's life like he maybe eventually learns to tap into that wisdom in a way that makes him a better person which is interesting and and it's not it is interesting and this is a this is a thing where we've we've said that you know, if you're you're saying a story is preordained because there's this long history, like a lot of times it's it's silly that they're putting these mythologies into a book that were never. This fits with this. It it, it totally does. I remember really liking Black Adam as part of I want to say it was Justice Society. Justice Society, yeah, Jeff John from Jeff Johns, and yep. so I I like him. I like different versions of Black Adam, and I I find it just to be really compelling. So. I'm I'm interested in reading that part of the story, you know, and, and and people don't kind of trust him, and 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 the fact that like a character who's thousands of years old can kind of learn and evolve and change, I don't know. There's something about that I like. It doesn't work with every character, but it works with this character to me, and I probably partially because what you know Ryan is saying, like you're imbuing him with all these powers, he wouldn't necessarily just go evil. I like. I love the way that Aquaman is drawn in this book. He's beefy, like, he's just, yeah, da- yeah, dad bod Aquaman. Yeah, and he's he's just a beefy sort of manly man of the sea. He could be a fisherman, like he looks like a fisherman from Maine. Oh yeah, that you guy's know. that guy's hauling in nets for sure. Yeah, um, you know, I he think, looks like Russell Crowe from Gladiator body. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's great. Russell Crowe. Um, I like that the Flash is um, he's still got his sort of youthful energy, but he also has you know they they listen to him like you know about time travel. Tell us about this thing. Batman that was good. That was a good moment. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, it keeps going. Uh, I like the Green Arrow and Black Canary have an almost paternalistic attitude towards John Kent. Yeah. yeah. Like, in a good way. Like, where they're looking out for him. Like, he's way more powerful than they are, but they're like, hey, like, are you, you know, you doing okay? Like, uh, Super Kid is down, you know? It was, it, mm-hmm. I liked that they, they kind of had his back, uh, even though he may, may or may not have needed it, but it was They've it was really developed into an interesting, and this is across DC, not just this book. They've really developed mm-hmm. into a, 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 a good sort of veteran sort of couple and they, they work together. It's like, it's like, it's like uh coach and Mrs. Coach. Um, Friday yeah. They're the old so pros. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a good team. And then the, the last thing I wanted to bring up and I noticed is that um, they drew Wonder Woman, Diana comes back and they drew her mother and made them look very uh, not uh, Caucasian. Like mm-hmm. they looked more Greek. Yeah. They, they looked Mediterranean. Like, yeah. It, I know they should, but it was very specific. I was like, oh, their faces look different than everybody else. They kind of look like they should. It doesn't look like, you know, a white fashion model from the 60s. And I just, it stood out. I thought, oh, that's that's really interesting. That's sort of a, a subtle way of sort of confirming the diversity of those characters, like through the art 
you know, not not crazy, but like this nope. is actually a little more appropriate. And and I noticed it, and I noticed it in a, in a way that wasn't distracting. Um, I, I gotta say, I was just in love with the way this book looked. I, I just I, I was like, why isn't this guy doing more books? And I, I know he he's doing that image book or whatever, but um, I just remember how it's, also, much it's just a loved. solid Wonder Woman costume design too. Like it just yeah, looks great. I just remember how much we love that Iron Fist and Power Man. Yeah, that was a great book. Um, I mean, the, the, these are incredibly dynamic pages. Include in in addition yeah. to the character work, there's a lot of um, pages you don't really see too often anymore. A lot of full page spreads that they sort of get away from because you know this is an annual; it's double size, so they they have more real yeah, estate. Had, Whereas uh, a regular issue, you don't have time for you know maybe an impactful splash page, and so you get a lot point. more of that in here. Um, which yeah, is I think nice. it was 40 pages yeah. of story. You know, end of the day, I, I just, I expected nothing, and I thought, oh, that was really, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest comic ever. I, I might never think about it again until, one, until you know, Sanford Green shows up again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like that. But on a week, and I liked comics. I had to, I had to, I had several things I could have made pick of the week. None of them were fives necessarily, but there are a lot of real strong fours. Um, and so that's why it's pick of the week. It's I really think this fun. is also one of the better... Bendis Justice League issues and better 100%. sort of Justice League stories in a, that we've had in a while. This is this is an issue yes. you can pick up. You don't have to have been reading the Justice League book. You don't have to be yep. reading anything else. You don't even have to have read Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes like Josh didn't. It's just a single issue, classic evergreen Justice League story. That looks great. Hundred percent. It looks really great. Yeah. So uh, there's your pick of the week. Nice little superhero party in the beginning. It's a nice little superhero party. Hawk girl, not the hawk guy. Um, speaking of. Yeah, Hawkeye. <laughs> How about that hawk- for transition? That was great. I nailed that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you did. It's a, it's a segue. Uh, hawkeye, Kate Bishop, number four. I almost made this pick of the week. I have come around to the... At first, I wasn't sure if I liked this series because it's written very... Because you're old. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because I'm old. But... You know, I, I I think that out of all the replacement characters that have taken place over the years, A, Kate Bishop was not one of those. She came from an earlier time. And two, I think she kind of captures the essence of, of the things I some of the things I liked about Hawkeye that he doesn't anymore. The lovable fuck up. Yeah. There there really is is something to it. And you know, that the show didn't hurt, but I you know, I had I had been growing a soft spot for that character for a while, you know perfect world would i want her there would i want her called hawkeye i don't know but i'm much less resistant to it than i used to be and i i just thought this was it was just fun it was a it was a good kate bishops i don't know any of the names that worked in this book other than (laughs) joey c and you know it's this story where like she's her sister who she's got problems with invites her to a a exotic hotel destination or whatever and there's super villains and mind control and, and blah 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 but it was just kind of rompy and fun. And, uh, you know, in a world after that, uh, the TV series, and you were looking for more Kate Bishop comics, I think uh, this is a pretty good place to go to. And I can't always say that about the Kate Bishop books that I've read. They've, they've been sort of up and down. I feel like it's also surprisingly rare for a comic to come out contemporaneously with the big media mm-hmm. property to like that actually supplements it well. Yeah. And this book, I think, kind of does that. Yeah, and the the art has a um, who am I thinking of? The Private Eye, Marcus Martin. Marcus uh, Martin. Yeah, sort of a Marcus Martin kind of feel to it. It's sort of like a like a Spanish artist. I don't know who these people are. Um, 
you know, but, but I was kind of surprised by it. Like at first I was like, I'm not sure I like this. And then I kept reading it and picking up the issues. And by the end I was, I was looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, but, but I mean, literally I almost made it pick of the week. I was like, Oh, it's really, again, sort of an unexpected sort of joy. I'm tr- trying to, I mean, I don't know if I'm trying to find things that I like more, but, um, it's just really good looking book too, uh, compared to what you'd think. I don't love the, the, the design or the way the dog is drawn. Um, oh yeah. With his big floppy lips. Super nitpicky. He's no longer a golden retriever. No, it doesn't look, he doesn't look like a golden retriever. He looks like, like a big hound, like a hunting, you know, hound dog or something. Um, which is, I imagine that dogs fall into the, the horses category of things. Artists, you know, if you're, unless you love drawing them, you probably hate drawing them. And so I'm, I, I more than happy to let it slide. It just, it stuck out to me as like, it just felt off model. Is that a Dave Johnson cover? Uh, cover. Janoy Lindsay. That's the correct dog on the cover. <laughs> yeah. But not interiorly. Connor, I assume you didn't read this. No, I read the first issue and I hated it. And so I never read it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. But for some reason, I kept going. But near the end. I read the first issue and thought it was fine. And then when Josh put it on the script, I caught up last night. So did you, did you, did you find it was better than you thought it would have been? Um... It's, it's middling no. to me. Middling, no, it's, yeah. it's truly middling. Like it, it, it. I didn't not like it, but I wasn't mm-hmm. super compelled by it. Like it, you know. Uh, I think my my pick of the week would have been the next book we're about to talk about yeah. if we need to transition. Might as well. Yeah. That was the, yeah, that, and that was also in contention. Go on, Maestro World War N number number one. Oh, jeez, is the fir- first issue of the third and final prequel miniseries from Peter David and Herman Peralta, Pasquale Ferry. Uh, that's the prequel series to uh, Hulk Future Imperfect, the classic early 90s uh, story that Peter David and George Perez did. And there's a nice little essay in the back about Peter David's uh, relationship with George Perez, which was very sweet. Um, it was. I read that essay. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so did I. And, you know, I've complained about the essays, but like this one was like, let me tell well, you about different. it. That's different. Like, oh, yeah, is, that wasn't yeah, a, yeah, uh, totally. here's why we did the book. This was, uh, my friend is sick and I feel sad about it. And it was very good. Um this has been great. Josh and I have talked about all these miniseries. Uh, Peter David still has it. If he was a new writer, I'd be like, this guy is terrific. Get him on everything. Um, <laughs> he's still got it. And uh, Herman Peralta, is, through these miniseries, has become one of my favorite artists working at Marvel. And, you know, we've there's always a danger with prequel books where you know where it's heading. So it's not that interesting, exciting, you know, message to Hollywood. Uh, but <laughs> it's still a lot of fun to explore this world as we get to the future and perfect story, which Josh has never read. I think we're going to do as a book explode when this is over. I've actually never read it either. To sort of tap, you know, maybe we'll get all three of us on to sort of cap off the whole, the whole story. But, you know, it, that's not a long book. I think those are two prestige comics. Whereas this is, you know, this gets us flesh the world out. We get here and here we get Namor an awesome asshole Namor, which you didn't think he could get more assholey, but then he has that facial hair. Because Namor always finds a way. That's a that is a great design. Although I gotta say, and this might be on purpose, his sandals really bothered me. <laughs> yeah, his toes, they're, like, they're, either be barefoot or not. But those are just flip flops, and I was like, ugh. But then I was like, you're Namor. That's like he's like, oh, do my feet upset you? <laughs> right. It's just, like it's like I'm too old to just wear a thong, but I'll find a way to put some uh-huh. thong elements into my outfit. But also, he knew it would bother me. <laughs> exactly like and wore them on purpose like that puts me off my game and therefore he can dominate me it's a it's a great design 
I, I love the I love the super um, obvious gills on his neck too. Like yeah, we did, pe- yeah. they don't always draw Namor with those gills on his neck, and I, I don't know like canonically if he's supposed to have them or not. But like he's got to breathe underwater somehow, and yeah. so I just that as a design element, I, I liked it. So you've got Abomination joins the story. Um, Doom is got Doom is all fucked up from the last miniseries, and he's but he's still in play. Rick Jones is going to become that, a factor. That, that that was my favorite page of the entire thing. Old, uh, old hobbled he shows Doom. up in his his wheelchair and he shows up to talk to Rick Jones. <laughs> Jones is like, "Oh, hey, Steve, it's been ages." <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, "That's so that's so good. That is the best single panel of like a Marvel." Deep Marvel joke I've seen the longest time. And because these guys are all old, like, you know, they were enemies. But Doom is like, you know, they know Rick. He knows Rick Jones. Like, they're just like old, you know, like they used to work together almost. Yeah. And it's just that little they're old, bit. Of they're old work friends. Oh. And then you have the Human Torch. The original Human Torch joins the fray. And then a reveal that Maestro's Major Domo, his secondhand guy, is actually Toro undercover. And I was like, Yes. This is this is just dive deep, Peter David. Get them all in there. So you've got Maestro and Human Original Human Torch and Toro and Namor. It's actually very, actually very invader invadersy. But yeah, um, um, Toro has a yeah, yeah. You're right. You're just missing Steve. It, I thought this was has, terrific. Toro has such a ridiculous hat. He looks like that character from uh, from Red Sonia. <laughs> it's yes, it's very silly. Uh, in a great way. I, I also, I think it was the, yeah, the last page. I think the last page is fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, Human Torch, who's very formidable in this, comes back, you know, and, and, and beats up uh, Hulk, or, you know, hits him really hard. And, and a flaming Hulk body just tears through the wrecked city. And such a beautiful drawing and composition and the color. And, uh, you know, and then he crawls his way out of the ashes. But, like, as we get to the end of it, it looks really rough and sketchy. Um, that yeah. last page, which is sort of just what it, you know, you could say, hey, maybe he was getting to the end of it, the deadline, but I'm going to no. say it was a creative choice. He's all burnt up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I like that. It, no, you're whole, totally right, though. Page. It looks rougher. Yeah. It, but in a way that works for the story, it's cool. And I think, if I remember correctly, the Jim Hammond Human Torch, he, his thing is like, if he's exposed to oxygen, he flames on like he doesn't have as much control as Johnny, but I think in a way that also makes him more powerful. Possibly, yeah. That's why whenever he's introduced in a comic, he's always in like that glass tube, right? Because they have to keep him in an oxygen-free oh, yeah. environment. Well, later on, he's able to that's control good, it. That's surprisingly good science for a golden age comic book, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think he's got control in terms of like you know being able to fly and 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 shoot flames and stuff like that. But I think there is an element of no, like, no. If you he's recall, more vol- he's more he's more volatile. I guess if you recall. The West Coast Avengers book that Josh and I did at the Booksplode, he was on the team just walking around in human form. Like he, he, that's something they had to give They changed it over time. Yeah. Right. But they, right. But originally that was sort of part of it, I think. But here he has the. Also, I want to point out. Whatever. The last page of this, I was just talking about again, there's the yellow orange color of the flame, and they did the. They did the sky and the ground slightly greenish instead of blue, and it just looks gorgeous. Like it's really wonderful coloring, and the. The reflection of the flame off the Hulk, and uh, it's uh, it's just a burnt off of Matt Hollingsworth. Great stuff. On, that yeah. stuff goes unnoticed, and it shouldn't because it is it's great. Yeah. No, what it's I was saying about the double flame was that he's you know Ryan is saying he's more powerful, so he clearly has another you know another level of power here. And uh, this has been terrific. I love smart 
Hulk here. I don't always love Smart Hulk in general, but the the evolution of the character into Maestro, he he's scarier because he is Hulk, Banner plus Hulk at this point. Um which is not unusual for Hulk, but in this story he makes him very formidable because he knows he knows things. So, so you're telling me that Doom, who is the master uh, uh, scientist and builder and and uh, sorcerer, has just an old rickety metal wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's couldn't, like, he couldn't get it's get or, out of or... his nest. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, well, what, even any the the floating ones lying around. Or maybe that's just the one that the butler put him into. What's he going to do? He can't fight back. Superman, Son of Kal-El, number eight. Yeah. Story by Tom Taylor, art by John Torney. Inks, inks. We got an inks on this one by Raul Fernandez. Colors Federico, blue, and letters by Dave Sharp. Are you guys still reading this? I was I was going to be out with this one after I finished it, but I saw it. the next issue is a one is a two-issue crossover with Nightwing, so I figured, well, I'm going to read that first part, so I'll, I'll finish it. But I'm, I'm basically done with this book. I was also, I was like, did I already drop this book? Because I know I was thinking about it, but I didn't read it. Um, so what, what What about it isn't working for you guys? The very, well, the, the foundational concept offends me. Um, True. So uh, that's the problem. I think John is annoying. Um, I think that uh, there's nothing subtle about this book, which is, Interesting because Tom Taylor is usually very good at that stuff. That is a good point, actually. But um, everything is sort of hitting you over the head. His relationship, his sexuality, his political views—it's all very, it's all very in your, obvious and in your face. And I don't know. It just—it's not connecting. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. I gotta say, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean this in a, in a negative way. I was going to sound that way. It is a very millennial book. No, I think it's actually is it is it millennial or is it Gen Z? Yeah, it's very Gen Z. This might be. I think this is. I think that, this okay, is younger. That's what it is. No, you're right. You're I right. think this is younger than me. It it I, it's it's it, you're right though. But it is one of those things where like your politics and your feelings and your identity and all of those things are front up front. It, it, right. it informs everything that you do in every way that you define and present yourself. Um, which is again is not a it's not a criticism. Yeah, the HR woman at Mythic Quest yes. hates this book. <laughs> right. Just because it's, it's um, all up in its feelings. It's, it's interesting to think, uh, to, for me, to be like, well, does that mean it relates to people? Or if you're if you're like a, a Gen Z person, you're like, oh, this old person also doesn't get it. This boom is <laughs> 45. <laughs> um, may, maybe, I don't know. I the, the, the couple of things that are still working for me about this book is I like um, I like how John Kent has empathy for people in a way that is is true to the idea of being Superman, but feels distinct a little bit from the way Clark does. It, it, that's a genera- That to me could be a generational thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, like Superman comes from the the strong silent man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's good. It's more paternal. Like Clark is more paternalistic, which is obvious, uh, I think. But you know, and and uh, whereas John, I think, it just comes at it from a slightly different angle. I also have like a a. This probably isn't a weird affection, but I don't know another adjective to use for it for Superman stopping a natural disaster, not like a monster. And, and he's stopping a monster in this issue, but the monster at one point causes a tidal wave. And like Superman solving those kinds of problems where like, how do I solve a force of nature have yeah. always been fun for me. Because um, I think some of the earliest Superman stories that I consumed as a kid were him, you know, stopping the volcano or or turning the tide of a mighty river, that kind of stuff. 
Um, so yeah. seeing seeing you know the John Kent version of him working with Aqualad to stop a tidal wave from hitting Metropolis, you know, using a combination of like the the Hulk slap and to to create a gra- force wave and the freeze breath to freeze parts of it. I just thought cool. I like when he has to solve a problem that's more than just punching a bad guy. But they didn't stop it. Yeah, and that's I what know. bothers me is that it feels like the book is telling me that he made the right choice to not kill the monster and then he and then let thousands of people die. And I feel like that's a problem because they, while the monster might not have been evil, it's a choice. It's the whole, you know, kill one person to save the situation. And I hear it seems like they're saying to me the right choice was to let the monster live. And that really bugged me. Superman can't ever make that choice. He has to save it. Like he, Superman can't make the choice to let anyone die. And so his thing is that he can't now you got two ways to go about this this is either a newer sort of version of looking that or b this is a developing and growing superman he's learning how to make those decisions of what his values are he's not clark kent so and at the same time like the monster is not a monster it's just a big animal who's there and who is scared um i also like the why can't you just pick him up and he's like it would be like a, it would be like a needle going through whatever it was i, I, I like the the sort of the physical elf, aspect of that and i did and i think you're right like the the natural uh, the natural disaster element of the thing was kind of interesting. I, I don't I, love all the Gamora stuff with saying. Bendix. Dix, I, I don't care about any of this stuff. Yeah. 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 As much as I love like the authority and, and uh, what was it? Stormwatch? Was that the. Like, I liked all those series from Warren Ellis back in the day, but it's not. This isn't that. No. I also really like the drawings of the, the monster. All the disaster art was fantastic. Like, the creature looked like a big sea creature, you know. You know, realistic enough, but still huge and impressive. Mm-hmm. I like things about it, but I didn't like everything about it. I, I can appreciate that. Are you both still going to stay on it? I'm, I'm going to be reading the next one, and that's it. I think, unless it's, unless it's really good. I'm sticking. Yeah, I'm fully sticking with it uh, because Tom Taylor is sort of. I think he's my favorite writer at DC right now. If I had had to, you know throw one out there, so um, I'll, I'll stick with whatever he's doing, just out of some faith. I mean, his even even if I don't like this thing, his track record is is amazing, and I don't sure. really hate this. I'm not like, well, this is the worst thing ever. It's just weird, and it might not be for me. I want to take a quick second to uh, beg. No, I want to thank the patrons. Uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy to directly support the show. And I was thinking about this this morning, and uh, I was like, oh. I- I don't ever want to half-ass my reading of the comics and go through anything for no other reason than the people who are listening would be disappointed. And I, I think it is so fascinating and, and, and humbling that the, that people will be like, yes, I will send you some money so you keep doing this thing. And that really keeps me going. Uh, it, like, So like when it's 1 a.m. and I'm like, i got to read more comics, I don't skip over them. I push the, my way through them, and then I'm tired in the morning because of it. But uh, it's a cool position to be in. So if you do that, uh, A, you have my eternal support, obviously. Um, but B, you can unlock shows for everybody. And the, the amount of shows that we have to do now, I've, we really shot ourselves in the foot here. Um, too many, too many shows. It's a lot of shows. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's the talk explode, the books explode, the media explode, uh, your, your various explodes of the Azores, and uh, no, this that's not a thing. Uh, and it's a great community. It always has been a great community. Um, you know, it's like this little leftover thing 
you know, that has been part of, of iFanboy forever that just is all, like, the community is really the big part of it and is a big extension of that. I'm sorry, I'm feeling uh, apparently uh, gushy this morning about that kind of thing, but uh, genuine things I always think this morning. Um, so get over to patreon.com slash iFanboy to see how you can be involved with that. Um, there's hangout shows and everything. And again, thank you just for everybody who does that. Uh, there's iFanboy at threadless.com where you can get 12 designs on t-shirts and items uh, of many, many stripes. Uh, including our newest design, gosh, good old superheroes. I got to pick one of those up. I'm wearing my um, GDAT shirt right now, and it, it brings mm. me such joy. I, I every time I pick it up, I'm like, oh, god, I love this. Um, and and I hope that I hope that they give you people uh, out there uh, some modicum of that joy. Um, you can also go to ifmo.com/support. Or you can make direct donations via PayPal if you want to do that, that sort of virtual tip char, as we've said many times before, without any of that other stuff going along. Um, we appreciate that as well. All of that, you know, being the idea that this is a small thing we do relative to other stuff, but it actually does take a heck of a lot of time and commitment. Um, and and sort of so, it, you know, your side on the other side of this is to, you know, show that you support that. I don't. I don't know if we would keep doing it forever. I don't know if we'd be able to stop, but you're definitely keeping it going right now. Um, and then finally, ifanboy.com slash Amazon, where you can buy uh, the books that we talk about on Booksplode. You'll find a link to the music in every show on the show page. You'll find a link to uh, the pick of the week that you could buy uh, digitally or, um, or buy a physical copy uh, if for some reason you can't find a comic store around you or you don't go to, yes, the last one here, bookshop.org. We have partnership partnered with bookshop.org to help out local bookstores so if you want to buy books and you you don't want to go through that one big retailer uh and you can help out some of these local smart important vibrant uh necessary businesses of local bookstores that's what bookshop.org is for you'll find the links where they fit in on the website um and we're very happy about that let's move along to more comics oh look i just saw what he put in at the end of this part okay go on who put the avengers on this list I did. All right. I did. Explain yourself. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. I, I like it's getting kind of, it's getting like wacky. It's getting like crazy wacky. And for some reason, like I like the idea that, I like the idea that first of all, for the first time in my life, I kind of understand what a deadlock is. And I never have. Um, mm-hmm. I like that. There's some sort of culmination that is happening as a result of of this um, celestial body that they're living in, you know, and the thing that's going on. They blew it up. I thought they were going to get up and it was going to walk around. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like after all these things and not quite being into it, they're just, they're, they're, he's, Aaron is still leaning into this and he's going to make his thing work. And I've grown a sort of affection for this team uh, to a certain extent. I really like, you know... Listen, baby, baby Thanos is kind of dumb, but he's written really well with the construction of what he is, and his fight with Namor was engaging to me. Um, the art was terrific. Juan, Juan Freakiri is great. And I feel like there's very few moments in this book where the team has been a team, and I think that's an issue I'm having with it. Is they just aren't together yeah, and sense. doing doing Avengery. They're not assembling. They're not. They're disassembled. If if you if I could you know coin that's a phrase. Excellent. That's an excellent bit of criticism. <laughs> um yeah. I, I really like the idea of the Avengers 1 million BC. Like for whatever reason, that to me is in that wacky Jason Aaron territory in a way that works. But I feel like we're just not getting to what the point of it is quickly enough for me to maintain my interest. I think I have adjusted my expectation of what I think that this book is. 
it's taken me a while, apparently 53 issues. And I've enjoyed parts of it. I haven't enjoyed other parts of it, but I, I've never thought about dropping it. I, I just keep reading it because, you know, there, there's yeah. a decor, there's stuff here that I like. I think that it doesn't necessarily all hold together really well, but there's still been enough for me to enjoy. And now that we're not talking about the vampires and we're not dealing with, you know, whatever else, at least this is a bunch of Avengers in the Avengers fortress and they're fighting extra bad versions of Marvel villains. Like there's a super evil. You know what? It makes me think what you just said there reminded me, I think one of the problems I have with this book is that nothing is kind of stuck. You know, we started introducing Mm -hmm. the whole vampire conflict and that just sort of came and went um it feels like there's been a lot of ideas and none of them have really been fully explored you know mm-hmm. what happened to the bear guy yeah you know and his his whole betrayal of the team like it's just i think that stuff it feels like we're moving at like a freight train books. i don't know right like like ghost rider's not in this issue because he's off doing another thing in a, a different alternate reality and um I haven't fully formed my idea about it, but I think there. I just, I just, I'm trying to figure out why. You know, we've been trying to figure out why for 53 issues this book hasn't been connecting with us the way we thought it would. And I just, but you're still reading it, it. Yeah, like you said, I, I've never thought about not reading it. That's, see, that's interesting. That's weird. That's, yeah, no, I, mean, that's I think I'm in the, the same boat. Like, that's well, yeah. But I enjoyed this one, and that's kind of where I'm taking it day by day. You know, like I was like. <laughs> It was big and big and crazy, and there was explosions and and big Namor fight where he could kind of, you know, beat the shit out of somebody who also happened to be a child. So, <laughs> good good Namor. Week. I'm I'm legitimately bummed the the Celestial Mountain got blown up. I I kind of liked the Avengers base being a giant Celestial. I was like, there was a couple issues back where they had the map, the layout. Mm-hmm. Love love a layout. That's cool. I feel Thank like you. as we're coming to the end of Jason Aaron's run, he's he's clearing the decks. You know, yeah. it's been his thing for his run and let the next person def- define their, their whole situation. Mm-hmm. But speaking of day-to-day and month-to-month and week-to-week is Batman Catwoman number 10 as we, as we are now two issues away from the end of this, this whatever this is. I don't know. I don't know. What what are we talking about? I mean, Clay, Clay Mann is finally back. He's been gone for like four issues. He's, I he's, couldn't, this I is couldn't, the only issue he's done in a year. I can't get into this book. I don't know why. I... I... Again, it's almost the same thing with Avengers, although I haven't been as lost. I think Liam Sharp was totally wrong for this book. I think Totally wrong. Really it was a bad idea. Sidetracked. Well, He's a great artist. It was totally, a bad idea. Totally wrong. And yeah. Um, so having Clayman back on, actually, I, I, I understood what was going on. I think this was a pretty clear book that was still conceptually bold. Um, you had three different timelines going on. It seems like it seems like they're going to tell us that Joker is Helena's father, which is pretty bombshelly, but also very overdramatic comic booky. Um, I, I think this is another one. Like I enjoyed this issue. I'm not entirely sure how it all fits together. And because of the release schedule, it's been so disjointed that it kind of never had a chance, but I like, I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. So I just kind of like watching the craft and the experiment of the thing. Yeah, that's and that's um, the real thing is too. There's no emotional, I think, resonance because of the delays and because it's so strange. I did find myself, you know, Im- impressed with the structure of this issue, where each on not each page, but pages would take place over three time periods, and the conversations would would be consistent throughout. Um, and that right. was interesting. And I, I love Clayman. I think 
the book is a hundred times better when he's drawing it, even if even at that point still it doesn't totally um, work. You know, and that's fine. Tom King has a lot of great twelve issue stories, and and this is one that I think hasn't worked, and it's unfortunate because it's, it's a Batman. He, you know, he came to prominence through for most people through his Batman run, but. And I feel like I remember something from Josh's uh, Talksplode where this is the story that he was planning on ending his run with, his Batman main Batman run with, or is this? Yes, am I yes, it would have been. It's okay. supposed to be in the main book. Yes, yeah. It, but I don't know if it's Black would've... Label. I mean, it got it yeah. got torpedoed in a lot of ways. I mean, like like it's a there it was a tidal wave sort of leaning against everything. I mean, the delays in the art. And who knows if this had been the, the same story if if he'd played out in the regular book or not, but. His his run was supposed to end on the main book with this Batman Catwoman story, but I do think it's gone on too long. I think that it didn't need to be twelve or whatever it is. And I, I think the thing about it that doesn't work for me is I just I have a hard time buying that uh, Joker and Selena Kyle have this like deep relationship yeah. that that is important to either of them in a way that just feels it just doesn't ring true to me. Yeah. And this book hasn't convinced me that it, it I like it the should. contrast of all of it. I think it's a natural extension of the fact that Batman and Catwoman would have a relationship and she is a criminal and he's and so like and it, this is like like pulling well what does that mean cuz she you know they they say well we used to all you know all the villains used to sort of be connected to each other and hang out and I was like that's true that is what it's like and I feel like this is just like a uh a, not a treatise but like a rumination on that idea like well, what if you bring this out and so I don't think of this as canon. I don't think of this as no. the main Batman story. I never thought of that, you know, even on his main run. And so all that said is like, well, you know, game it out. What does this look like? What does it play like? And I find that part interesting. And I think that's part of what's interesting for for Tom. I think, you know, like, it's like, well, what is what is the what is the natural extension of a lot of these, if you really think about it? And that's I the other side of that is I don't think it always makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, because it's, 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 like it's anyway. I think it's exploring the idea that, like, there are have been a lot of women in Bruce Wayne's life that he has loved and have loved him back. And some of those would have been, you know, more appropriate choices for him as a crime fighter and a hero. And yet he keeps circling back around to this woman who is a thief and a crook. And it's an interesting juxtaposition. We we don't make the best choices. Mm -hmm. Especially since there's a movie coming out. On to other Bat. Uh, Batgirls. Anybody else reading Batgirls? Batgirls number three this month. I am not. Should I? Right, Jorge Caron is the artist, it, and he and was never the artist it. on that uh, Scotty Young book, Middle West. Um, and Becky Cloonan and Rich, Mitch, not Mitchell, that's Michael W. Conrad, are the uh, writers who are writing Bat- Wonder Woman. And it's been fun. There's been something that keeps me from loving it, but I love that there's books like this where you've got a guy like Jorge Corona, who is not your typical DC House style artist, doing a book. That stars Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane and Barbara Gordon as this little team of back back girls um, running around, and it's it, I mean there's always something really visually interesting about this each issue of this book so far. I mean there's only been three issues, but um, the art's terrific. The story's been fun. No, no, there's they're being tormented by these villains and these new villains. So there's a hacker tormenting Barbara, and there's this guy, uh, an artist villain who's tormenting. Cassandra and Stephanie and he's sort of like scarecrow light um, and they're all trying to figure out how to be in this new role and I like Cassandra and Stephanie's relationship where Stephanie's the motor mouth and Cassandra's the quiet one um, it's fun 
you know, Barbara runs into an ex-boyfriend and they tease her over the comms about it. And um, they have a nice relationship. I like that. This would be a fun, this would be a fun TV show of this, of these three women, you know, trying to figure it out. The only, the only criticism I have, and this is not really this book, it's just in general, I think Cassandra talks too much. Because she used to literally not be able to talk. She's not supposed to talk at all. Right. Yeah, I, she, I think if, if they want to give her an arc, I think she should say more than no more than three words at a time. Because she was only taught the language of violence, right? Violence and, hum, and human uh, body language. She, she can speak. She can, you know, that was her whole thing. Was she could read body language like language. But they have her talk, not as much, but, you know, like I'm looking at a page here where she's got... Three consecutive word balloons and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve words. Like that's too many. You know, too many. But it's beautiful. Just at least check it out for the art. Uh, I love the fact that there's places now in DC for guys like Jorge Corona to draw to draw a Batman book, which is uh, cool. Do you remember how in the like early days of Grant Morrison's J- JLA run, like Martian Manhunter would always have to link them up yep. psychically so they could communicate, and now it's just mm-hmm. we accept that you can have a small thing in your ear that keeps us all connected, and you can just keep a conversation going even when in the middle of a superhero fight. Mm, yes, yes. I feel like if you told me that was going to be a thing back in the day, I would have been annoyed by it, and yet I most of the time love it. Like I love that the characters can keep communicating at a distance, no matter what's going on in the book. I think there'd be more interference. I mean, here's us, right? We're having communication <laughs> issues today because of technology. Yeah. I would think that that would affect their... I mean, they probably have a better network or whatever, but there's no perfect network. Or even just the... I mean, you're getting punched in the head. The earbud might just fall out. Sure. The only perfect network is John sure. Jones's mental network. Well, that, then and it even needs to be more John true. Jones. Even that is subject to, to win whether he gets exposed to fire or not. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Like, like a match could fuck that whole thing up. They can't work in Southern California. That's <laughs> true. Like fire kills everything. It doesn't just kill Martians. Like if I was lit on fire, I would also be damaged. Yeah. Well, it's not just lit on fire. But it's it freaks near fire. It freaks him out. Yeah. Like he's Wouldn't it got, freak you out if somebody was like fire throw, issues. Like putting a torch in your face? No, he's he sees fire and he screams in a high It's like he, you can't even make a fire in your fireplace around him. Well, I have a gas. Yeah, like like it's like some people yeah. with spiders. Yeah. Well, so should we just, should we just jump to the patron pick? The pa- so it's time for the patron no, pick. Actually, there's another now? book on the list. Now I have a pitch. Uh, let's see if uh, let's see what you guys think. All right, maybe not Morphin Corner or Power Corner. How about how nope. about nope. Mighty Morphin Rotunda? Can I get a nope. can I get a rotunda? <laughs> no, rotunda? you don't get a whole rotunda. How about a gazebo? A porch. You can have the you, you can have the the Saban outhouse. Mighty, Mighty Morphin Porch? <laughs> no. That's so much better than what I was going to say. That's so good. I just, I just want right. you to well, know we're that. Gonna, we're going to stroll on over to Saban's outhouse and talk about Mighty Morphin Issue 16, <laughs> the Eltarian War. I'm, I'm going I'm to roll with it. I'm going to roll with it. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, I've used outhouses. I'm from West Virginia. You think I've never been in I just want to make it clear to Mr. Saban, this is not a attack on you. Extremely rich and powerful, Mr. Saban. Um, this is number, this is issue number 16, and I believe this is the final issue written by Ryan Parrott based on something I saw him say on Twitter. The, the story is, uh, similar to Batman Catwoman where we're like jumping around in time and there's the, um, 
three Eltarians. We've learned that Zed is actually an ancient Eltarian uh, who worked with Zordon back when he was part of the uh, Guardians as empowered by the Eltarians. But the thing that was really interesting to me is the Rangers finally get a handle on fighting these Imperials, which are these uh, you know very, very powerful cosmic beings that sort of Galactus level threats. And uh, the way they do it is they got they got all their Zords going. They got the, the Mega Thunder Zord, they got the Omega Zord, and they got the White Tiger Dragon Zord, which is a combination of the White Tiger Zord and the Dragon Zord, which is fucking awesome. And uh, Dracon shows up, so we know how that's going to go. So he's, uh, he, you guys know that Dracon is Tommy from an alternate timeline where he went evil. And uh, he brings with him a bunch of space vampires, and they're able to use the space vampires to drain the Imperial enough to uh, kill him. And uh, it, it ends with um, yeah, that Zed... Feels- yeah, it ends with Zed uh, having been stabbed and under the con- or Zordon being stabbed and under the control of Zed, but the Power Rangers succeeded against the Imperial. So one threat down, but more threats remain. I think this for is these, how I felt reading these, that Hawkeye these, book. These, Rad teens with attitude. <laughs> you could call it ratitude. I wouldn't put it against you for calling it ratitude. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next time going? we head out to the rotunda. <laughs> it's not no. a rotunda. No, Connor. It's an outhouse um, from the 1800s. All right, it's well, a, I've, a outhouse. I've wiped and I'm done. Do Let's think, move on. Are, are we sure this is a real thing he's even talking about? <laughs> the thing is, that's what's great about it, kind before. of. He could be making all of these words up, and I would be like, sure, yeah. that sounds fun. I get, I get some I'm, support in the Discord. Not a ton, but some. <laughs> I am 50-50 on whether he's just trolling us. <laughs> that's what should, I, wouldn't be, I would be okay if that was the case as well. Sure. It's at least there's some artistic integrity in that. <laughs> those are the those are the books we wanted to talk about. It was a light week, uh, not a ton of books, which was a nice little reprieve because the last couple weeks have been heavy. But the patrons over at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, all ifanboy patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the ifanboy patrons decided to give us a second X book in a row. Last week's we had the Excellence. This week, the Secret X Men number one, the one shot from Teeny Howard, Francesco Mobili. Jesus Bertoff and Clayton Cowles. And um, this book made me angry. Go on. Just, it just, I just did not like reading it in any, I didn't like the art. I didn't like the writing. I hated the main character. I was, I was angry reading it. I was like, when is this over? It was exercise. It kept going. It, it was never ending. I didn't like the colors. I didn't like the art. I didn't like anything about it. Sticking with it? It's just one shot. <laughs> joke um i i came to a conclusion because i saw connor early on said this this is secret execute and i went okay and what i you know what i think is like people know what i'm gonna say about it but i i do always this is why i had the thought earlier about the patrons is i was like okay i have to try i have to pay attention i have to go in with an open mind and i think the problem that keeps happening with these x-men books and i'm literally i'm just going to i'm going to keep this to since hickman's thing Mm-hmm. Is that this is an issue number one? It's the and 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 it, it's clear to me that X Men creative and editorial have completely eschewed the idea of trying to get anybody into these books in a way that don't know it already. Because this is what always happens to these books: is that forty five characters show up. I don't know who any of them are. I don't know anything about their relationships with each other or their personalities. You know. Other than having different drawn heads, everybody's the same. You know, I, I just, I feel like there probably is something there, but I'd never get to it because it's just too many moving pieces swirling around and they didn't, 
nobody tries to uh, ingratiate a new reader, which I yeah, kind of am. I actually had that same thought because there's a, there's a on page eight is the hero shot of the team. And so the backstory mm-hmm. here is recently in the real world, there was a fan election to add a character to the X-Men team, like the main X-Men team. And it ended up being Polaris. And we all knew it was going to be Polaris because she was the most popular character on that list. And so this, they're taking everybody else who was a nominee and they are the secret X-Men. They decide, fuck it. We, we may not have been elected to the regular team, but we're going to be our own team of X-Men. And I kind of like that idea. Actually, that was my favorite thing about the whole book was why do, we, why do they get to say who's the quote-unquote X-Men? We're going to be the X-Men too. So I like that. But there's a hero shot on page eight. And I was like, well, that's Banshee. And that's Strong, uh, guy. strong guy. Strong guy. And, that, uh. and that's Forge. And I don't know who anyone else is. And they didn't ever tell you. you. Uh, no, they said t- yeah. they said it on the page before, didn't they? They don't tell me who those names correspond to who's on the page. You can fit. You know. All right. So come on. I know Boom I Boom. Don't I know Hisako. Uh, Armor. I don't know. Uh, Marrow's the lady with bones on her face. That's, that's I know scary. that much. You just told me the, everything I know about her. The problem The problem I had was, um, you know, Roberto's putting the team together and he's talking about like all the people being sexy. And for whatever reason, as I was reading it, he said, you know, I want I want um, Boom Boom on the team because she's sexy. I want Cassidy on the team or I want uh, Banshee on the team because he's sexy. But I missed the, I, for whatever reason, I just rather put it on a she because isn't Banshee's daughter also named Banshee? I don't, I don't know. You're asking um, the wrong people. Anyway, uh, I have a, I, I, for whatever reason, I've, I don't have a you know deep connection with the character, but I, I think Strong Guy is ridiculous, and I kind of love him. Um, I, I mean, I loved him in Peter David's uh, X Factor and, and uh, multiple, multiple man books. For whatever reason, um, I had a, we- I couldn't figure out like why. I mean, I know they were the original um, New Mutants, but like it, the the relationship between Sam Guthrie Cannibal and Roberto just didn't work in a way like they were. I don't know. The way they talk to each other, it was like... a kid and a space apartment? Well, they're are they in a relationship? Space. I don't understand. No. Yeah. Well, they're both, no? trying, they're all both dating women. Right. Oh, That's I, what thought I thought they were in a relationship for sure. No, no. no. He was, in the beginning, uh, Sunspot's trying to sleep with those two Shi'ar women, and then and Boom Boom keeps talking about his girlfriend. Uh, yeah, he keeps talking about his girlfriend. Oh, no, not Boom Boom. Uh, Cannonball. Cannonball keeps talking about his girlfriend. Cannonball, yeah. yeah. Cannonball's not making enough pasta to feed everyone in the apartment, by no. the way. That's, it's, that but, was upsetting. And the thing is, like, I have a, you know, I've been, I've been reading the regular X-Men book. I read Marauders. I gave Excalibur a try, which I think was Teeny Howard's book in the beginning. Like, I have a vague sense of what's going on here, but I was still completely lost as to why I should care. And also, is Sunspot supposed to be this annoying or is this a new characterization? Because I could not stand him through the entire Good issue. Good question. He, he, he was obnoxious. I was wondering was why obnoxious. he was leading the team. Why anyone would follow him? Why wasn't Why wasn't Forge leading the team? He seems to be the only one who knew what he was doing. Yeah. Like it, it just was such a strange comic. I never got a foothold, and they never tried to give me one. That's yeah. that's what bugged me. Yeah. And they also did they did Cannonball and Sunspot powers as if they were both just kind of versions of the human torch which isn't what they are there was also some really annoying annoying stuff about like the way they did stuff with space um like i I don't know that i don't know the cannonball's powers work in space if it's fire and how does a bone marrow's like bone astronaut armor that was annoying i though so i liked that there was comic book science in there i liked that like they were playing it fast and loose with space as like if you're gonna do it like this is the one one of the things i liked i think was marrow's thing is like i gotta try this out 
You know, like I'm gonna make it, and no, it doesn't need to make sense. But it's superpowers, and none of that makes sense anyway. Like I, can but then get Banshee screams that. in space, which like again, you need air I for did sound to travel. Yeah, no, I did oh, notice I, that. I, I was confused because when when Sunspot, who I know nothing about, and I've never known anything about nothing. the New Mutants, and the, the New Mutants is according to the X Men. I never read uh, after you know the early '90s. Rob Liefeld never read any of that stuff. I don't know who any of these characters are. I know nothing about them. Uh, when he activates his powers, I thought, "Oh, Nightcrawler's here." I was like, "Oh no, wait, that's not Nightcrawler." <laughs> like it, 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 it was such a biz- it was almost like aggressively, like if you don't know who these people are, we're not gonna, we're it, you're out of luck. I, I don't know who Deathbird is. They said that name more times than anything else, and I had no idea who that character was. Right, and Robert, and the, the the issue with the page where Sunspot's powers fully activate is like that is what Sunspot looks like when his powers activate. But his I don't know why his hair changed, and that made it just super mm. confusing. I also don't know why Strong Guy's um, spacesuit when he comes out wearing the spacesuit, it's got tiny little hands hanging down from because his stomach. Forge Forge made him a suit from all the suits because they were too small. He, Forge, Forge quickly sewed them all together, or whatever. Yeah, he says he says it. He says Forge, Forge had to put me a suit together for me with all the other suits. Gotcha. They look great. I, for whatever reason, I didn't I didn't get that. Um, but there were just you know I feel like there were a lot of storytelling and characterization issues throughout. Unfortunately, look, take your take your eyes defocus on the page and just flip through it and look at those masses of word balloons explaining yeah. shit to us without saying anything. All through it, it is, it is a lot of explanation, a lot of swirling crap that just didn't come together. And I'm not, I I genuinely tried to to make sense of it because I thought, you know, this is def, this is, I'm not going to just write this off in the beginning. But I was lost the whole, and I'm not dumb. I'm also not unfamiliar with X Men, but y- there was no setup. There was no craft here, and I mean. They just, that's what Connors is aggressively saying. If you don't know it, you're, you're lost. And so I'm like, all right, I guess I'll read this. But it didn't feel like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I've been, you know, I'm, I've been fairly up on Hickman's X-Men. So for me to be completely and utterly lost means someone who's not up on that is even in a worse position. Um, the other thing is like, and this is an X, this has been through all the X-Men books is I've, I've been skipping these emails and letters and things in the middle of the books. Yeah, I the email I I bumped on. I did read it and I bumped on it yes. because like you, it's super tiny font up at the top, uh, top and bottom corners that it, like it's a draft, so it's not an email that was supposed to have been sent. But the idea in the email is integral to the story itself, and it's also it was just written in a way of like no one writes an email like this. I've never written or received an email that was written with this tone of like, let me recap what happened to us yesterday so that we can then discuss what to do about that tomorrow, even though like, oh, you think this thing happened, but it didn't. And I'm like, no, no human being, maybe it's a mutant thing. No human being writes an email like this. The end. It was a word yeah. scramble. I was like, I can barely read the sequential pages. I'm not playing a puzzle in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all cop-outs. <laughs> They're I all cop-outs. A, yeah. I, I was I mean, so annoyed at that. I was like, I want this to be over, and you're going to treat me like I'm a child in a, in a diner? I No. I, just tell me who the fucking characters are and why I should care. Oh, it's rough. I'm, I'm it, more mad now because you guys agreed with me. I thought we were going to get here, and I'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I'd be like, no, there was this and that. But you're saying this is what it is, and this is professional work. shouldn't be. They put the Dramatis Persona in the beginning, which they do with all the X-Men books, but they're tiny little black and white boxes. And so, you know, I, it doesn't correspond to anything in the issue itself. 
It's just it was but rough. Still, comics are always still going to come down to show don't tell. Yeah, yeah. And and it helps to have something to refer to, but that doesn't mean that the text doesn't have to do any of the work. When right. I mean the text, I mean the actual sort of story pages. You still you have to do the work. It's a first issue. I yeah. remember like a long time ago when I was trying to write comics, I showed I showed Joe Casey something I did, and he goes, "You got to have them say all these names." Like he just like because he came from an earlier time. Like you have to like this is the thing that the guys from the generation you know who had worked before you know in the early '90s and before that they all knew the stuff that they had learned in the '50s and '60s. Is like there's certain rules, and they're not necessarily natural to trying to do your uh, your fake screenplay movie dialogue. Yeah. But you have to you have to set things up. You have to set yeah. that table. Everybody says each other's names. Clunky, everybody, but it's better than being lost. Yeah. Yes. And you've got to tell me something about each of the characters. There were how many? How many? How many of these? Look, I'm looking at a page of just X. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine? characters. Yeah. You know. And and I don't I don't know anything about them. I thought that the two guys yeah. were a couple. Well, there was a whole thing, and there was a whole thing about like Roberta. Roberta wants uh, this woman named Tempo on the team, who is not a character I have any familiarity with. And he's like, yeah, 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 because then if we like screw stuff up, she's got like time powers. And I was like, okay, so I guess Tempo is like temporal or whatever. But apparently, he didn't understand what her powers were, and they ended up using them differently in the story in a way that like I don't know what her powers are either. Like you didn't tell you didn't tell me what the misconception was and you didn't tell me what the correction was. You just did it. And I don't understand what happened on either level. Right. And it's, I it's super stop, frustrating. I want to stop finding ways to saying the same thing where we're griping about this, the unclarity of this book. I do want to make a rule. Here's my rule. No superhero team in a 20 page comic book is allowed to have more than six members. Unless <laughs> you are a master writer. If you're Grant Morrison, you can have seven to eight. Are we gonna add well, that? Unless, that's that's dicey. I fan gripes. I mean, six plus teams. No, unless they're like yes. elemental to the comics, you know. Like if this was like, you know, the Avengers sure. that we all like, it was Captain America and Iron Man and Thor. The like people you know, everyone knows. You don't have to do the heavy lifting, is one thing. But tempo and marrow, marrow and people, you know, yeah. unless you're a hardcore X Men fan, uh, armor. I don't know who these people are. Smasher. You know, and, and it, maybe that's. By the way, this seems to be a feature of most X Men books that I have to read. Is that like this is just how it is, and maybe that's what X Men people like, and and maybe they've all just accepted like we're not going to add X Men fans at this point. So, <laughs> but that's it keeps happening. Ratings six. Set, give it a six. Dot six. You're giving it a six out of five. No, I, ratings. You get you get, you get points deducted for each. So if if even if I'd given it a five, there are four too many members, so it gets my, a one. My iFan grumble, I think I would go a team up to seven just because sometimes you want the imbalance, but I see your point, Josh. Right. Yeah. Uh, what I what I said was that I think seven feels a little too much, but I know that Grant Morrison did it to great, you know, as as better as, as well as anybody had with with his JLA run. But with so with that's icons. So that's a, there's a there's yeah, a difference. Exactly. There. Cannonball uh, I like Cannonball, he's not an icon. Yeah, Ratings out of five. I've seen him three times. Two. One and a half. One point seven five. There you go. Don't need to add sticking with it because it is a one shot. There's nothing to stick with. I wasn't gonna go. I wasn't gonna go with the average of your scores, but when I I was debate, I was legitimately debating between one point five and two, and you guys gave me permission to just split the middle. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can add a book to the rundown, but patrons who give the $5 or a higher level get their own superpower live on the show. Let's do it. Uh, Sam 
du rose or du rosé? Um, I don't usually go blue, uh, but he's like black bolt, but with farts. <laughs> black bolt, like, and he's got to watch his ass. It's not like you think you're in a meeting and you've got to hang on. Like he can't eat pretty much any. Like he's got to stay away from fresh vegetables. He like forget chili. <laughs> Blow the world up. Is it is it, it, it planet-ending power like black bolts? Because he's just he can't help that. That's, that's natural biology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think it's it's like you you also learn <laughs> learn incredible control. That's what I was gonna ask. Is like is so like, I guess is he it, yeah does he have black bolts fortitude? It's not the force. It's not the force. It's the it's the um the audible. So you have to control the sound. You see, okay. and this is why I don't go blue very often because I think it's it's quite cheesy. But it made me laugh when I wrote it down. <laughs> so, did you just write down black just, bolt yeah, farts? Is that what you did? I, I, no, what I did was I wrote like black black bolt, but with and I stared at it for a while, and I was like, I can't think of anything that makes me laugh like farts does. Yeah, I, it was like a. I like Black Bolt with, and then I was like, well, there's there's nothing else. I was I originally I was like, well, I can't do that. So I wrote scratching. I can't, mm. can't scratch because it would be too loud, but you know, it's it, I would have felt like I was avoiding the obvious choice, which which there. And, but listen, with great power must come great great control <laughs> and responsibility. So I there are a few times in in our relationship where I've tried to explain some comic book thing to my wife where she's been as delighted. Uh, as she was to learn that Black Bolt's real name is Black Agar Boltagon. <laughs> Black Agar Boltagon. It's just one of the greats. I think about it often. I feel like this next patron shouldn't get a power. Yeah, it's it is confronting. Yeah, it could be why. disqualified. But it was this- written this way, and so it was. Uh, I wrote it out that way, and I assigned it to Connor on purpose. I, you know what? I I thought maybe this patron is identified as. Misa called Micah. Misa, your humble patron. (laughs) (sighs) It's a symbiont circle, Connor. You said it. You don't have to say it again. You said it. Connor, it's a symbiont circle. You must understand that. They give us us money, and and then we give them content. It's a symbiont circle. Micah, um, in any, any situation or any conversation, becomes an instant expert in the field of whatever's being talked about. Oh, it's just a dude? It's just yeah. so, just me. And but my legitimately, worst. so you know, from you know, <laughs> my, Micah could be uh, in a government meeting and becomes an instant expert on foreign policy, or in a at, at Capitol Records and become an instant expert on producing music or mar- music marketing, whatever the meeting happens to be. But as soon as he leaves the meeting, so does the knowledge. As soon as he leaves the conversation, mm-hmm. so does the knowledge. Whatever's being discussed, he becomes an expert in that discussion. Do you think that people accept it or they just think, oh, this guy's full of shit. He doesn't know anything. Well, he, he clearly knows what he's talking about from the Would conversation. It, right. Well, the but, conversation. yeah, but people, there's ego, there's whatever. It, it'd be best if they knew that that was his power. Yeah, that's true. Because otherwise would it he would like just a, sound like an asshole. Would it cause a hemorrhage if he had to discuss at length the Dunning-Kruger effect, the idea that like people who don't know 
much about anything, think they're like they know a little about something, think they're an expert relative to experts who understand the limits of their own. Well, he'd, be, he'd become an expert in that in that theory. Like he's legitimately the expert. But, in whatever but is the discussed. is right. the paradox uh, yeah. uh, is the paradoxical nature of the Dunning Kruger effect? Like would that you know potentially hurt him? No, he would just become an expert in that discussion. I think it would. Right. I think it would hurt people's opinion of him but maybe that's got to be some sort of sideways thing is that he's so correct that people can't help but understand and agree with him although in this world i can't see that happening at all. i was listening to a podcast <laughs> because... where they 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 improperly described the dunning-kruger effect and it was like poetry in motion i was like well that's exactly yeah. what there was what a, there was a, i think about this a lot and i know we've we've had a lot of diversions but there was a thing on um this American life years and years and years ago. And it was a, it was a phenomenon that they dubbed American jackass. And it was the idea that if you knew like a little thing about something, like if you go into a, a art museum and you look up at a Picasso and you happen to have read one thing about it, you, you talk about that, like you're an expert. Oh, well the, the blue here, uh, they actually said it's to represent, and you don't know anything else, but you present that you are an expert about it, uh, in that one, which, which, uh, I've been guilty of a thousand times. Uh, we sure. did a show actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I try not to be American jackass. Anyway, next one. Paul Peterson has an amazing power. Truly a gift, I think. Uh Paul's left eye can transform into a telescope and his right eye can transform into a microscope. Oh. And if he does both at the same time, he explodes. binoculars. <laughs> He's got binoculars. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. It, Way to go. Did you out. just get that part? No, no, I've been thinking about this. I had a long drive yesterday. I was thinking about okay. this a lot. <laughs> I was thinking about how it'd work. Okay. Uh, but Paul, yeah, so like if, if, if it's a you know beautiful night out and Paul wants to see the moons of Jupiter, he can just close his, close his right eye and just squint real hard with his left eye and he can telescope it out and see, see into, the, into the distant cosmos. And if he's trying to like clean the kitchen counter and wants to see if there are any you know, germs or bacteria still lingering, uh, he just closes the left eye and squints real hard with the right eye, and he can microscopically see the surface of the countertop and know what's going on. That's a, that's right. a great power. I was I'm, really, I'm, I'm I was like, really I'm, excited when I'm I thinking, when I came up with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you that. Patreon.com/slash fanboy. Thanks to Paul, Misa called Micah, Misa, your humble patron, and Sam, to, Sam for being patrons. <laughs> Uh, patreon.com slash ifanboy so we have good. to skip the emails because we've gone long yeah uh, but contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write in to uh, get your email on the show sorry for the ones we had in the script but didn't get to we'll hopefully get to you next week also you can write in for the media explode show just put that in the subject let's talk about other shows we've got coming up uh, previous to this show we had our Spider-Man No Way Home review which I quite enjoyed both the movie and the review so you can find that back in the feed this month Somehow, in the next two weeks, we've only got two weeks left of the month, we have Talksplode coming to you. Josh's second part of his discussion with editor Will Dennis. It's in the can. It's going to come out. Uh, we have our Booksplode of the New Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. We have a Mediasplode, which we're going to talk about the Book of Boba Fett, season one. And also we have the animated brain trust talking about Catwoman Hunted. Somehow, we have four shows coming up. They probably all won't come out in February because... Um, it's just has so that much way. time. The, the viewers so we'll at home couldn't see it, but when you said there were only two weeks left in the month, my eyes visibly widened in panic. Exactly. I don't know how that happened. Um, but like we said last year, the, the shows may not come out on a straight schedule, but all, you will get six books blows. You'll get six talks blows. And then the other shows will happen as they happen. 
Um, and then also uh, the first week of March is the Batman release, and we'll figure out when that's going to happen. Um, I'm probably going to try to see it Saturday morning when it's not super crowded, so maybe we'll get it out uh, that next week. But we'll figure it out. We don't. We, we, won't, we won't wait so long. Ryan, how is science sort of going? Uh, good. We recorded a really fun episode uh, recently where we talked about we we had an update on the Tonga eruption, that giant volcano that erupted in the mm-hmm. South Pacific that like sent a shock yep. a shockwave around the 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 entire uh, atmosphere and created flooding in California. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about other things. I'm completely blanking on what we talked about in our last episode, other than the Tonga eruption. But there was some, there was some climate change. There was some. Um, oh, the James Webb telescope. That was, I think that's why I was thinking oh, about cool. telescopes. Uh, we talked yeah. about the deployment of the James Webb telescope, mm-hmm. talked about Lagrange points, what those mean, why you're able to park things in space in certain points between the earth and the sun. It was, it was a really good discussion. I'm looking forward to getting it out there. Awesome. I find all of that quite fascinating. I gotta say, uh, you can find all of our shows over at ifanboy.com, less fascinating, as well as our archive of much less fascinating comic book writing, uh, from our talented staff. Uh, you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. So you can be prepared. You'd say, well, these, these guys like this book. I should read this. And then when I listen to the show, I will, I will fervently agree or disagree and it will add a whole other flavor to things or just don't bother. Uh, go to ifanboy. I'm sorry. at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboy comics on Instagram to see what that is. You can follow us individually. CS Kilpatrick, J.A. Flanagan and Ryan Haupt on Instagram, Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy to keep up to date with the old video show re-uploads. The full-length shows are all uploads. We're just doing minis. This past week, we had Brian Posehn. Nope, nope. I didn't change nope, this. Nope. This is the worst script I've ever done. To be fair, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Pick of the week, Wolverine67 and Scott Chandler, who just had a birthday this week. Oh, he did. San Diego he did. Yeah. Scott Chandler, San Diego Comic-Con 2008. So another Comic-Con interview and Josh's Wolverine Pick of the Week review. So that tells me that when we talked to him, he was 38. And <laughs> yes. boy, the distance between 38 and 50 feels like uh, quite a ways. But the dates on that do not suggest that. So <laughs> smoke them if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you like the show, consider leaving a review uh, or a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps people find podcasts. Helps uh, all the shows you listen to, science sort of. Any podcast you listen to, please consider leaving a review or star rating. Uh, it helps the algorithm and the all-knowing algorithm is how we survive. Um, so that's, yeah, even better than that's word of mouth. If you ask what podcast you listen to, it always helps to, to spread the word, and we do appreciate that. And that's it for this week's show. Put a bullet in it. Thanks for listening. I'm yeah. Connor. I'm Josh. And I remain Ryan. We'll see you next week. You Please just stay safe out there. Don't slip on the ice. Wear a mask. Do all the good things for other people. Yeah.